Welcome to the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we have audio from our first ever Easter service with North Shore Vineyard on April 4th, and our first of many Sunday services to come as we have moved our day of meeting from Saturdays to Sundays. This service is an all-ages all age ser- all service, so we had lots of interesting things for the little kids uh, kind of added into the service, and we had a time of enjoying some cake and punch together, which you'll just have to imagine that if you weren't in the service and you're uh, listening to it online. Uh, but join with us today as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord, and thank you for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at northshorevineyard.org. Like I said, my name is Crispin Schroeder. I'm the pastor here at the newly formed uh, North Shore Vineyard, and, and we are really happy to have all you with us. I got to be honest, um, I guess before I get honest, I'm going to finish chewing this um, mint up. <laughs> now I feel more like being honest. Um, I, I read a story in the news a couple of days ago that, that, that almost tempted me to not be here this weekend. There's a did anybody hear about this church in Corpus Christi that was offering $2 million for people to show up? <laughs> You're like, what am I, dang, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a church in um, Corpus Christi that uh, as part of their Easter weekend, they're offering $2 million worth of prizes. So they're, they're giving away BMWs, Jaguars, Lexuses, Le- Lexi, is, is that plural for Lexuses? Um, they, they've got... Um, bicycles. Every family that shows up gets 350 bucks. So um, I'm like, man, if I would have found out about this about a couple weeks ago, I would have. Uh, yeah, we could have just. <laughs> Daddy needs a new Lexus. So, um, uh, <laughs> but here we are on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And, and, you know, as with most holidays in our culture, it is, it has been a bit touched by the consumerism in America. So Easter has come to mean as much about chocolate bunnies and, and peeps and, and Easter egg hunts as it does the actual resurrection of Jesus. And, you know, I got to be honest, I, I like chocolate bunnies. I'm Christmas Schroeder. I like chocolate bunnies. And uh, I like peeps. Does anybody like those Cadbury cream eggs? Those are awesome. My wife actually found one that's got orange cream on the inside, and, you know, orange cream with chocolate, that, that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Where are they at? We got to hold them off to the end of the service. See, we're kind of like that church in Corpus Christi, except instead of millions of dollars, we have coffee. It's kind of our equivalent. And, 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 and wintergreen mints and, and bulletins. Um, Freshly prepared. <laughs> but as much as, as much as I like the, the fun stuff of Easter, and, and I'm a fan of it, I love Easter egg hunts and all that stuff, uh, today we're celebrating the most fundamentally important event that has ever happened in history, and that's the resurrection. And so this, this service today is a little bit different from our typical regular service in that normally we have children's church in that back room for the little kids, but Today we've kind of crafted the service to where we're going to invite uh, the, the little kids up here. So if you're a little kid, 
Dina's going to kind of come out here. What uh, If you're, let's say, um, I don't know, 10 and under, you can come up here to the front and sit on the floor. We have some special goodies for you. And if you need your parent to come down front, they can. We don't have a lot of room, but I'm not going to stand over there. I'm just going to talk from the side here. (laughs) But my wife, Dina, everybody give it up for Dina. Yes. Wow, it's just like being at home when you wake up in the morning, isn't it? (laughs) Um. Dina's going to pass out something to every one of you little, little fellers and little, little children, little kids. Um, and so open your hand out, and she's going to put something in your hand. You can give them one, more than one. It doesn't hurt. You don't have to close your eyes. And, and nobody put this. Don't put this in your mouth. Okay, this is not. It, it probably wouldn't hurt you. Oh, man, that would be a horrible end to a Easter service. <laughs> Does anybody know what we're putting in your hands there? Yeah, they're kind of funny looking seeds, aren't they? I I didn't realize that the that seeds actually these almost look like little baby worms. I, but they came from a seed package, so I'm assuming they're seeds. Uh Does anybody know what seeds do? What do seeds do? They grow into bigger plants, don't they? You know, uh, Jesus in the Bible, he was talking to his disciples one day, and he said, he said, unless a seed goes into the ground and dies, it's not going to turn into a plant. It's not going to bear fruit. And so there's all kinds of seeds. Have you ever seen an acorn, acorn before? Y'all got acorns? Anybody got squirrels around their yard? Squirrels love those things, don't they? But, you know, a little bitty acorn can grow in, if you go down the block here, there's some trees that are humongous. I mean, you could build an awesome Ewok fortress up there. But they're like over 100 years old, but they came from a little bitty acorn, like that big. Isn't that crazy? But what's it take for a seed to grow? Water, sunlight, and what else? You you got two out of three. What do you think? Soil, ding, ding, yeah. And so you know what we're going to give to you today? (laughs) Soil. Uh, (laughs) uh, Dean is going to pass out some little pots to you, and these pots have soil in them. So don't lose your your seeds. And what we're going to do, I'll I'll, I'll make an example here. I'll get this real dirty one. So uh, once you... Once you look inside your pot, you've got this little thing of soil in there. I want you to take your finger and you poke in the middle of that hole. I don't know, you, you girls in your Easter dresses, we'll, we'll try to wipe off your uh, fingers in just a minute. A guy came up with this analogy, okay, sorry. And, and put the seed in that little hole and then mash the dirt back around it, okay? And you know what? You get to keep this. Yeah? we got plenty of seeds around. And then once you get it, mash that soil down. And here's what I want you to do. You're going to get to take this home, and you can put a little water in it when you get home, and then you can put it up on your window seal and see what happens. You might just have a little plant. You know what these seeds are supposed to look like? 
They're supposed to turn into that. Isn't that pretty? Ooh, pretty yellow flowers. So um, these are calendulas. Sounds like an organ or something. Um, (laughs) So, oh, we do have some wipes. Somebody was thinking. So you can wipe your dirty fingers off. And Dina is going to give you some, some little party bags here. A little activity book, and then we've also got some uh, clipboards with some coloring pictures about the resurrection, okay? And so you can take those those little pots back to your chair with your parents, and then you can color some things. Or would it be better just to hang out here? I mean, uh... Okay, we're, we're going to... All right, so the kids are going to go ahead and, and head back to their seats uh, once they get all cleaned up and stuff. <laughs> Future farmers of America here. Let's give them a hand. <laughs> But you know, Jesus, Jesus said, unless a seed goes into the ground and dies, it's not going to come forth and bear forth fruit. You know, I could have this package of seeds right there, and I don't have to worry about those seeds turning into plants, do I? They're just going to hang out there. I could even dump a bunch of those seeds on this carpet, and even though it's a little dirty, they're probably not going to turn into plants, are they? A seed, <laughs> you've seen some dirty parts in this carpet, but... Uh, But a seed, in order for a seed to do what it's meant to do, it has to go into a dark place. It has to be alone. Uh, As Jesus said, a seed uh, dies so it can bring forth new life. Um, Has anybody ever, I don't know if you've had this experience yourself. I know when I first became a Christ follower, as an adult at least, I I started... um, reading the Bible, and I started in the New Testament with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I don't know if this ever occurred to any of y'all, but I got to reading through these Gospels, and I said, they all are telling the same story. Isn't that a little repetitious? Does, is anybody else, am I the only weird one here? Okay, I'm, I'm alone here. All right, all right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when you read a normal book, it's usually one story, right? You, you read a book, and it's one person telling one story. It's not the same story four times. But you know why there are four different stories, four different gospels? It's because there was four different people who were writing from their vantage point about God. Now, how many of y'all are going to go hang out with family later today, eat some good food? All right. Maybe later on today, you're going to be around some people and they're going to say, what did you do this morning? You're going to say, I went to this Easter service at North Shore Vineyard, and they'll, they'll ask you to explain what your experience of the service was like. And so, depending on your personality and where you are in life, and, 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 and whether this was your first time here, if you've been a Christian for a long time, or maybe you're not a Christian, you will probably relate to this experience differently. 
And so, you know, you may, it may be something that stood out in the song, King of Glory. Who is this King of Glory that, that pursues me with his love? And so later this afternoon, you may be telling somebody, I was in the middle of worship and I sang this song and, and it said, who is this King of Glory who pursues me with his love? And all of a sudden it clicked and, and it seemed like everything in the service was saying that. And so when you're communicating to someone else, that may be the central theme that stood out to you today. For others of you, it may be like, man, they had really good coffee. <laughs> For some of you, you may be like, I'm never going back to that place again. It, it, was, it was just crazy. Hopefully not. But uh, it depends on your vantage point, and it also depends on your audience, right? So if you're talking to somebody who has never been to church in their life, you probably would take care to explain things in a way that they could relate to, right? Like, you wouldn't just say, yeah, we, we worshiped and we uh, heard the word and we said hallelujah. You'd be like, what? <laughs> You'd probably take care to communicate it in a way where they could connect with it and understand. Um, whereas if you were talking to somebody who's been in church their whole life, you could kind of assume certain things, right? Um, well, the Gospels were kind of written in the same way. These were all people who had hung out with Jesus, who'd seen the ministry of Jesus in person, but they all had different things that, that stood out to them, and they had different audiences with which they were communicating. So the book of Matthew... Matthew was a tax collector who got called into the, to the 12 disciples by Jesus. And, and Matthew, in his gospel, it's geared to more towards Jewish people, people who've been in Judaism their whole life. Matthew's theme is Jesus is king. He's God. His kingdom's coming. Well, you can look at the book of Luke. Luke is writing not to a Jewish audience primarily, but to a Gentile audience, people who had never experienced Judaism. So if you look at Luke and Acts, Acts is actually the second part of Luke. You know, it's a continuation of the same story. Luke is, is writing about God's kingdom coming to people who aren't Jewish, how God's breaking through to, to a whole new group of people. Well, what I want us to look at today is the book of John. And the book of John, uh, if, you, if, if you've ever read much of the Bible, most people are familiar with at least the first chapter of Genesis. And uh, you ever heard you know, in the beginning was God. Uh, the book of John starts off a lot like the book of Genesis. And actually what we can see, if you look at the gospel of John, if you ever take time to kind of study it, there are parallels between John and Genesis. And I want the question for us to ask is, why is that? Out of all the things that stood out to John, why is it this kind of Genesis thing? Because you can see it from the opening parts of John all the way to the end of John. And uh, normally we have scripture references on our screen and everything. Today, we're just covering a whole lot of stuff, and I thought it'd be better to just listen to it, all right? Um, so the book of Genesis starts off like this. In the beginning, God. Those are the first three words. Four words, sorry. <laughs> three of them are really important, though. Uh, <laughs> the book of John starts like this. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see a parallel there? Sound kind of kind of like? Then, then Genesis goes on to talk about God creates the heavens and the earth. The book of John says, in Jesus, everything was created. The book of Genesis goes on to say, God said, let there be light, and there was light. The book of John says, Jesus was the light of the world, and the light shone into darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. 
there's these parallels. John, after spending three years with Jesus in his ministry, the thing he came away with is, man, what Jesus is doing is a lot like what God did back in the beginning. Why is that? You think John was just kind of being figurative? No. John was picking up on something that God was doing. Uh, New Testament scholar Tom Wright says this. He says, on the sixth day of the week, the Friday... Now, understand, Sunday's the first day of the week, just so we get all the chronology. You know, Sunday's the first day of the week. Saturday's the sixth day. You know, so, all right. Okay. Um, On the sixth day of the week, the Friday, God finished all his work. The great shout of, it is finished, Jesus hanging on the cross yelling, it is finished, in John 19.30, looks all the way back to the sixth day in Genesis 1 when with the creation of human beings in his own image, God finished the initial work of creation. John then invites us to see the Saturday, the Sabbath between Good Friday and Easter Sunday in terms of the Sabbath rest of God after creation was done. On the cross, on the cross on Friday, we celebrate Good Friday just a couple days ago. On the cross, Jesus says, it's finished. It's over. Everything that Jesus came to our world to do was finally accomplished as he was hanging there on the cross. And like a seed, Jesus went into darkness. If you read the gospel accounts, it said Jesus was hanging up there, suspended between heaven and earth, and the sky grew dark. Hanging on the cross, he who knew no sin felt the burden and the weight of all sin on him like a seed cut off and alone jesus experienced what it was like to be cut off and alone cut off from humanity and cut off for the first time from his heavenly father it was worse than death the pain is nothing we could ever even begin to imagine the most excruciating kind of pain and sorrow. But Jesus said, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it will by no means bring forth fruit. Jesus was talking about himself. John 20, verse 1 says this, Early on the first day of the week, while it was dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. This begins the story of Resurrection Sundays where, where they start figuring out that Jesus is not there in the tomb anymore. And something that we kind of pass over kind of in our American reading of this is we, we miss what it says there on the first day of the week. The first day. Now keep in mind, John, in, in, in the whole book, he's been doing these parallels with, with Genesis. What could it mean that Jesus raises to life by the Spirit of God on the first day of the week. What could that mean? You know what it means? It means God is doing a new thing, a new creation. And it, and it came out of the tomb with God, with Jesus. That morning, new creation is bursting forth like a sprout from ground, like like new life springing up from a dark, isolated, cut-off place. New life is breaking forth. A new world, a new covenant, a new day, a new people. God is doing a new thing, 
and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, everything, everything has changed. The seed that was sown into darkness and isolation, the seed that died, the seed that, that entered that tomb has now burst forth in a life because it couldn't be contained anymore. You know, our hope as resurrection people is not just that we can go to heaven when we die. A lot of people think Christianity is just a matter of you, you get your, your ticket punched <laughs> so you can get to heaven. Like, I got a ticket to heaven. Yay! But you know what? That's, that's not the point of it. The point of Jesus is that we all have the hope that one day we will be resurrected. We will have resurrection body. Anybody could use a new body? All God's people said amen. Uh, I was talking to a guy the other day at the hospital. He's in his you know, mid to late 60s, and, and he was telling me, he's like, man. He's like, the problem is, he's like, I got a mind of a 20-year-old. But my body, he's like, man, it just, it's like it takes so much time to do the things that didn't take me any time anymore. He's like, I get up in the morning, and before I know it, it's night, and I haven't got anything done. Because it's just, everything's a pain. Our hope is not just that we can, you know, kind of become these disembodied spirits on the clouds with harps and angels' wings, you know, singing songs forever. Our hope is that one day God is going to restore heaven and earth, a new heaven, a new earth, and we will be resurrected to live with him forever. That's pretty hot. Well, how do we live in the meantime? Does this life even matter? You know, a lot of people have, have made the point that, you know, you know Christianity is just about going to heaven when you die. And so we're left with kind of this life that's just, hey, I'm going to heaven when I die. But, you know, it doesn't really affect our life here and now. How do we live, though, if we're going to live in light of the resurrection? If we're going to be resurrection people, people identified by Jesus, is it more than just a future hope? Does it actually impact us now? Well, I think it does. Actually, you know, a lot of people who were around Jesus back in the beginning, they probably think that that was a silly question to ask. Of course it does. Of course it affects you now. It doesn't mean that you just live a nice moral life and, and you go to heaven when you die. No, it means that we actually get to be a part of what God's doing in the here and now. John 20, same day of the week that John's talking about. Uh, verse 19, he says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After that, he showed them his hands inside, and his disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now, understand what's going on here. Jesus had said things to his disciples like, you know, unless a seed goes into the ground and dies, it's not going to raise forth. He, he said, you know, I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be killed. And, and his disciples just never got it. He wasn't hiding things from them. He said, this is what's going to happen. But they didn't get it. <laughs> and so when Jesus was crucified on Friday, they start getting scared. They spent three years of their life. Peter had left his, his job fishing as a commercial fisherman. Other guys had left fishing jobs. Other guys had left their careers, their families to follow Jesus. They poured everything into following Jesus. And now Jesus had been killed in the most brutal way. 
And so these disciples on Sunday morning, what are they doing <laughs> Sunday evening? They're locked up in a room. They got all the doors locked and they're hiding. They're afraid. They're afraid that the Jews are going to come after them and say, you know, you guys were hanging out with Jesus. We're going to crucify you too. But you know what? Those locks on the doors, those bolted windows, they couldn't keep Jesus out of that room, could they? This is pretty cool. You know, I like superheroes. I like Superman. I like Batman. But Jesus, like, walks through a wall. And what's the first thing he says to his disciples? He says, peace. Because <laughs> I'm sure they were really scared with all the doors locked, thinking that the Jews were coming from them. And then all of a sudden, somebody's in the room. And like, ah! <laughs> and Jesus says, peace. Hey, 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 peace be with you. It's me, Jesus. Check out, check out my wrist, you know, my side. It's me. And they're like, <laughs> But what's the first thing that Jesus tells them of substance after he calms them down? He goes on. Verse 20 thing, he says, verse 21, he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And this is the key for us as resurrection people. You know, all that stuff that Jesus had been doing in his ministry, you know, setting people free, even feeding the poor, confronting evil, confronting injustice, all that stuff that Jesus had done in his ministry. And, and probably the biggest thing, showing forth the love of his heavenly father. Everything that he'd been doing, he says, as the father sent me, now I'm sending you. You get to do this now. You get to be like Jesus to the world around you. It's not just hanging on until Jesus takes away some bright, bright morning when this life is over. I'll fly away. No. We get to actually be a part of the ministry of Jesus here and now, the touch of Jesus. Now, i got to tell you one thing. Had Jesus just stopped there, it would have been inspirational. It would have been pretty cool. They'd have been like, Jesus just showed up. He walked through a wall. He told us to, he's sending us out like the Father. But you know what? Have you ever had somebody send you out to do something and you completely lacked the skill or the knowledge to do it before? You ever just tried to fake your way through something? You're like, <laughs> like, like that happens when I'm talking to mechanics, like, you know, they're, oh, well, you know, you, you got to you know, grease this thing and turn that knob. And, you know, when the accident, I'm like, oh, shoot, no, yeah, I'll do that. My car burns up. Uh, <laughs> had Jesus just said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you, it would have been the equivalent of, of just sending people out without any ability to get it done. I mean, their knowledge of things would have failed them pretty quick. But you know what happens in the next scene? Verse 22, and with that, Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. He breathes on them. Now, here's another flashback to Genesis. What happened after God created man? What did he do? He breathed the breath of life into him. So here we are, the first day of new creation. And what does Jesus do? He breathes the breath of life, the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God into these disciples. Now you're not going to just be trying to get this thing done out of your own intellectual wisdom and, and your own will and just trying hard to, to be good people for Jesus. No, now, now you actually have the very power, 
the very, the very spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You've got his spirit within you. And he's going to guide you into all things, lead you into all things. He's going to give you things to say in minutes where you got nothing. See, the, the amazing thing about Jesus, well, one of the amazing things about Jesus, in his earthly ministry, Jesus was the first person since Adam who'd actually lived in perfect uh, communion with his heavenly father. He's the first person who lived fully human, but fully connected to God. You know, since Adam sinned, none of us, none of us who are descendants have ever known what it's like to be in perfect relationship with the father. But Jesus did. And Jesus did his entire ministry from that place. He said, I only do the things that I see my father doing. I only say the things that I hear my father saying. He was always in relationship with his father. And now Jesus breathes the breath of life into them. And he says, you know, basically this is, you got the same relationship now. We got, there's no barriers. Nothing, nothing separates you now from God. Nothing. Any, any barrier separation is an illusion. He breathes the breath of life into them. And he says, I'm sending you out to be just the way I was. New creation. Today is uh, a bit of a, kind of like a birthday, in a sense. And, and, and I was kind of, you know, this is our first birthday, our first birthday, our first uh, uh, Easter that we've celebrated here is North Shore Vineyard in our few months that we've been in this little building. And uh, I'm thinking, God, how can we celebrate such an important thing? You know, that has become so kind of trivialized. I mean, honestly, in our world, Easter is kind of a day for, if you go buy an Easter card, they all look so cute and happy and bunnies and flowers. And, and that's, that's cool, all right. That just doesn't do it for me. How do we celebrate the most important day that has ever happened in our history? Well, I don't know how we can do it, but I figure it's kind of like a birthday, and how do we celebrate birthdays? Yeah, cake and ice cream. And since ice cream's a little messy, we're just going to do cake and punch, okay? <laughs> so uh, I'm going to, is, is Faith back there with our, our cake and punch? <laughs> Halfway done. This morning, this morning, what I want us to do, last week, if you were here last week, we celebrated communion together. And it was the, it was the bread and the wine. We were commemorating Jesus' body being broken, his blood being poured out, a new covenant. And we were remembering Jesus in that light. But today, instead of bread and wine, it's going to be cake and punch. Because we're celebrating a birthday of new creation rising from the ground. Not only that, but that we're a part of it. We're a part of the new thing that God's doing, that one day God's going to restore all things, and we get to be a part of that happening. So I'm going to get, well, I don't know. Am I going to get Zach up here? You got, you got your hands full? Okay. Zach's going to, you know, play a little background music, and, and here's what I want you to do. We'll, we'll try to exit on your left. Let's try to do this one row to tide two. Would that be better? This is a job for an usher. Okay. Um, but I want all of you to come up here and grab a, grab a, Pedophore and a um, 
and a cup of punch. And don't eat it and don't drink it, okay? Especially you little kids, okay? Uh, and, and go back to your seat, and we're going we're gonna to do a little toast here in a second. So have at it. Okay, first row. Let's, I'll direct us here. You can, you can exit on that side and then come back around on this side. Is that, that, that good? So we do a toast to Jesus, the Savior of the world, who faced the crucifixion and overcame death and the grave. To a new covenant that is based not on rituals or race, but on Jesus Christ. We toast to the resurrection of Christ and our future hope of resurrection to a new hope, to a new heaven, to a new earth where we will live forever with our King and our Lord. We toast to new creation breaking forth from the tomb, breaking forth in our hearts the love and life of God. Cheers! We can eat the cake now, so here's what we're going to do. Now, I know this is a little weird, but I asked Dean if it was all right, and she said, hey, it's, you know, it's your church. So uh, we're going to eat cake and worship. So with mouths full of cake <laughs> and hearts full of life and love, we're going to celebrate Jesus. So, yeah, my musicians can make it up here if they want here in a second. You can sing with your mouth full. It's okay. Got icing on my guitar strings now. instrumental here for you so you can um, shove the rest of that in your mouth. The greatest day in history The death is beaten You have rescued me Sing it out Jesus is alive The empty cross The empty grave Life eternal You have won Say, celebrate, Jesus is alive, he's alive, oh, happy day, happy day, you washed my sins away, oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the Sing face to face I'm yours, Jesus, you are 
joy and perfect peace. Earthly pain finally will cease. Celebrate that Jesus is alive. He's alive. Oh, happy day, happy day. You washed my sin away. Oh, happy day. we thank you this morning, God, that we are forever changed by what you've done, God. Lord, that you took our sins upon you. Lord, that you faced death and the grave. Lord, a new life came forth with you that happy day. God, let us, let us be the ones who live in that light, God. Lord, help us to be resurrection people. Lord, we just open our hearts to your spirit, God. We just say, empower us to be as you were to the world, Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus we pray these things, we worship, we celebrate, and we live. Amen. Amen. You can clap. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you for coming out here this weekend, and I hope to see you next week. And, oh, by the way, we are doing Sunday services from now on, if you've been coming to our Saturday night service, so we'll be here next Sunday, 1030. So we'll see you next Sunday, 1030 a.m. Happy Easter.